Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to After Further Review John, with Mark Ferreira and John Pelkey. almost gave myself top billing. Mark would not have liked that. John Pelkey here alongside Mark Ferreira. And, of course, Jeff Taylor on the board, keeping all of this together, as much together as it stays. Got a good show for you, we think, today. We're going to talk a little about uh, well, college football moving forward. There's some interesting things being floated out there. Also wanted to throw out something. Uh, since all sports are shut down, for the foreseeable future when they come back. Is there something you'd like to change? Mark, welcome. It's good to yep. see you here on my monitor. Good to talk to you as well. But Thank you. surely a man of massive opinions like oh, yeah, has some things he'd like to change in sports when they come back. Well, you, you threw out the topic. And first of all, we're not side by side anymore. I wish we were. It, it's, it's a lot more fun. We, we are uh, actually, I guess my, you know, your image on my computer screen is next to me, so I guess we are virtually side by side. At any rate, you threw out this topic about what would you change in sports, and I thought, ah, you know, who knows? I mean, let, let's, I, you know, I needed a prompt. I needed something to spark me, because I mean, it's such a wide berth. Sure. You know what? So I, so I text John Pelkey. I said, well, what, what do you have planned? Because you had indicated that you have something planned, and I said, well, what do you have planned? He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for the show. Well, I'm I just thought- wait for the show and, and and get your honest opinion, which I, yes. I I agreed with, and it forced me to think about some things, and six things came to mind. So I'm I'm well, looking forward I, to that segment. I had I had like one on my mind when I thought of the uh, of the topic, and and since then I've you know I've come up with a couple more, but uh, yeah, I only had really one that I wanted to talk about. It's not groundbreaking or anything. I just think it's better when we get our uh, our opinions. You know, in the moment, as opposed to planning something. And now part of this is due to the fact that you and I are generally opposed to planning anything ever at any point in time in any facet of our lives. But other, but the, the other reason is I like, uh, you know, unlike reality television, which is scripted, um, we're not scripted. So I wanted to hear your things in real time. The fact that you came up with six. Nice. Yeah. I, I just thought, you know what? Nothing's going on. So. That that seems to be something we think about. We talk about it in the off season. We have rule changes in the off season. This is, for all intents and purposes, nothing but off season. So we might as well start thinking about it. Now I will I will do a caveat here, Johnny. I have six things to talk about, but I have five changes, and then I, the sixth thing is something not to change. <laughs> don't Excellent. Touch, so it'll be like a meeting at Main Gate. So it'll be like a meeting at Main Gate. We'll give ourselves ten minutes to talk about it about our what would you change, you'll send in the first eight talking about what you wouldn't change, and then we'll just get through the others in a very cursory manner and not really solve the problem that we've set out to solve. That is a, uh, an outstanding template of sort of any corporate meeting. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're also going to have a progressive trivia. We'll talk about our poll question, which we threw out on Monday. We're now throwing those out on Monday and talking about them uh, or giving you um, – what you guys have come up with as far as uh, answers to our poll question on Friday, but we'll revisit it uh, a little bit today. Our poll question, of course, being um, what are your feelings about athletes that get involved in things politically, regardless of which side they're on? Because if you're if you're going to be a good person, Mark, yeah, you have to you have to be consistent. You do. Someone is terribly politically active on the right and you have a problem with that. Because you're on the left, and then somebody's politically really active on the left, then you are obligated to have a problem with that as well. I think probably the way you should approach these things is perhaps having a problem mark with 
their beliefs, but not beyond their political beliefs in so far in, in so much as we can keep two thoughts in our head Indeed. at one time. And, you know, it's fine to be hypocritical. We're all, you know, that, oh, yeah, that's, God, that's the thing. The only difference is just admit your hypocrisy. That's all. Because there is there is a blatant sort of hypocrisy of human nature that's just sort of built into us, in, in my opinion. And I, I think others share that opinion as well. And it's just important to admit it. So if you really don't have a problem with an athlete who espouses political points of view from your side, but do with someone who espouses political points of view from the other, well, then you're, you're obviously a hypocrite. Right. And you, you, you obviously know this. Just admit it. Yeah. And then we can move on. It's and like, okay, really, I'm a hypocrite. This, what can I do? And this really leads to a better life lesson, Mark. And I've learned so little in my 55-plus years on Earth. But one of the things I've learned is, uh, and, and I know you agree with me, manage expectations. Boy, oh boy. Keep the bar low, people. Now, Mark and I do that. Mark and I do that uh, on, on the show. And anytime we perform we live in, in any setting, we lead with, look, we'd like to apologize for being here. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We don't really know anything about what we're talking about. No. Uh, we're just here because of what clearly was a mistake yeah. on some level. Um. And we well, apologize that, for that, but we're going to try to stumble through and do our best. And then, Mark, following yeah. that, we criticize people who have achieved so much more than we ever have, ever will, ever hoped to. Sure. But it's OK in the eyes of the audience because it's like, well, those guys know, you know, the, you know, they've they're, admitted they've, they've admitted that they're losers. Right. right. So it's OK to, to listen to their opinion. Right. The, exactly. The whole, Manage yeah. expectations. Exactly. The whole so just, pulling the wool over people's eyes, though, Johnny, is over. It's you over. Think? Well, you know, now now everyone can see us for what we are. And, and isn't it interesting? They can see us for what bye we bye. are now that, now that they can't be anywhere near us. They can see us for what we are. They can so reflect. The, the camera and the microphone clearly do um, uh, demonstrate where your soul really lies and your, your abilities or your knowledges. Without a net, you don't have a net. In front of no. people, you have the net. You could be like me, aesthetically pleasing. Uh, You're so that's aesthetically help, yeah. pleasing, Johnny. Even, even you know, even in your in, in your in your t-shirt, you know, with a less than flattering angle uh, for Thank the you. for the uh, Skype. Well done. I have, a, I have a rakish new facial hair thing going on right now. Ah, very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I might have to. Uh, well, you can see them in the in the in the Facebook lives, but uh, yeah. So that helps me. Uh, you're clearly non-threatening. That helps you when uh, when you're in front of an audience. So that that's what we have going for us, which we we don't have going for us right here. Uh, otherwise, before we move on to our first progressive trivia and start to talk a little about some really really funky ideas for college football, anything else, Jeff? Mark, from this uh, isolation, which is loosening here a little here in Florida, anything you'd like to pass along? I made a three-course meal last night. Turned out well. Feel good about that. Anything in your lives you want to share? Jeff? The last thing I – the last UFC I watched was in probably, I want to say, the 90s. But I'm going to be watching the next one because it's the, the only thing. It's the only thing to watch. Yeah. Well, there's Korean baseball, too. Don't forget, ESPN showing Korean baseball. There were a couple of games on, like, 2 and 5 in the morning so that what, I didn't have a chance to see. One of my side hustles is playing DraftKings. I'm not, I'm not too crazy with it, but it's something I do on a relatively 
daily basis, relatively daily. And uh, that's what you can gamble on now, Korean baseball. <laughs> so, ah! so you're going to have to do some research. No, on it, clearly. no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to uh, <laughs> gamble on lesser than baseball. There, there it is. There it is. Wow. You know, that would be an interesting now. I'm just thinking of this right now, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but wouldn't that be interesting in terms of uh, what changes there are if they were to merge some leagues together? Mm. Uh, because, uh, you know, we have a ch- we'll have a chance now to see Korean baseball, and who knows? It may impress all of us. I mean, you, you, may, you may actually catch it one night, Jeff, when you have nothing else to do even though you're a family man and you have plenty to do, but uh, you may catch it and be highly impressed and go, you know what? Not only are a few of those players worthy of being in Major League Baseball, perhaps a few of those teams. I feel like like that's not likely to happen, and we have in Florida access to so much minor league baseball that if I were going, if I went and watched Korean baseball and said, wow, this is great, I'd go watch one of those games and be reminded that that's probably – the same, if not better, than Korean baseball. Plus, it's impossible to tell. If ever all the players are on the same level, it's going to look like the game. You know, it, it, it only you, you only see the dominance if you have players from another league in in said league. Right. But um, the Korean baseball, you know, it's probably I would I would guess it's probably just like all of baseball. You watch some really entertaining games. You watch some games that aren't so entertaining. I, for one, I'm thinking about setting the uh, the old uh, recorder and, uh, and 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 watching one of these things beginning to end. All right. Well, let us know how how many teams <laughs> how many teams are in the Korean baseball league? Do they have a large amount of teams? I feel like isn't Korea about about the size of Texas, if even. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not even as large. Uh, I don't know. That's a good thing. Uh, now, a- and baseball is huge in Asia. Yes. So I would not be surprised if the number is larger than you would expect it to be. But given that it's a small country, yeah, there's probably not. Uh, it's, it's probably not I, huge. But I I'm, think I'm it's gonna a lot that. smaller than Texas. Actually, I think yeah. it's probably more the, like the size of you know, Delaware and and New Jersey or something combined. <laughs> yeah. We say we say Delaware with such just dripping <laughs> Delaware. Such a Californian. It's like. You know, again, again, Delaware. not really. I mean, I don't know why you Delaware. Texas that way. You're Delaware, just, Delaware you know. the North Korea of the United States. <laughs> Even though we're, we're, we are talking South Korea, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Delaware, you know, there's Delaware's fine. I, you know, you're right, John, though. You caught it. You did catch it. Yeah, I, there's something about Delaware that, you know, I, I'll give them their due. They're the first state, quote unquote, whatever that means. It was just a timing issue, pretty much. Uh, but yeah. Good job, Delaware. They're fine. Whatever. <laughs> they were Delaware, the first. They were the I first state on the way to New Jersey. They were the first state. We figured it out. We did better. <laughs> right, exactly. Right there. There you go. All right. So uh, we're a little over time here, Mark. But uh, as always, we want to do our progressive trivia. I believe you have a progressive trivia for the day. I do, and we're uh, we're talking a lot of football. We're talking uh, college football, and uh, what will you change in sports? Uh, I guess we'll hit all the sports there, but uh, I'm going to do a little baseball progressive trivia for everyone. This guy has over 300 steals in his career, 200 of which came during a six-year stretch. 12-plus All-Star games, played in multiple World Series, but never won, and a five-time Gold Glove winner. So over 300 career steals, 200 of which came during a torrid six-year stretch 12 plus uh all-star games which means there's 
12 and above and you know it's a reasonable amount above it's not 25 all-star games he's not hank aaron or willie mays uh played in multiple world series but never won and a five-time gold glove winner now multiple means more than one so there you have it. <laughs> thanks for clearing that up and I'm do just, not i'm, I'm, I'm do trying not to be drink as clear more. yes i'm trying to be as clear as i can without and as google proof as i can that's that's the challenge of writing these progressive john pelkey yeah, it is. It is. And it's why I generally leave it up to you, because I don't really like to be challenged. To yeah, you didn't that. have you didn't have very good success last night when you when you ventured forth. No, First I guess. didn't. I, and you know what? Uh, it was uh, so crad- congratulations to Pete Zicky, who may or may not listen to this, who got our live progressive trivia last night. But he figured out par- partially because I did an Earl Morrill. And I thought there were some really great clues there, including the fact that Morrill also played. He played in the Rose Bowl and the College World Series which is very impressive because he was a baseball player at Michigan State as well. Should have led with that clue. But uh, Pete said he'd been watching all this Dolphin stuff, and one of them was documentary, probably the America's Game on the 72 Dolphins. So Earl was at the the front of his mind. So anyway. Is he still with us or not? No, I think he passed away in 2014. Okay. Earl Morrill. Yep. What a interesting. Interesting uh, career, yeah. If you take a and, look at it, and sort of represented the uh, the older generation, even though he wasn't that much older than Joe Namath. But he had the crew cut, you know, when he was quarterbacking. Uh, yeah, he know, was. What? He was probably. Uh, uh, I think Earl Morrill was about six or seven years older than Joe Namath, probably because he, he, he came to the Yeah, Go ahead. and he quarterbacked that uh, that Colts team, you know, until the fourth quarter. Right. That right. The, that uh, that Joe Namath beat, and so here's Joe Namath with his long hair and his just hippie hippie trippy uh, approach to life, and here's Earl Morrill all square jawed and yeah, they all uh, look like astronauts. Everybody on that everybody on that on that uh, Colt team, they look like uh, Mercury astronauts. Yeah, with the uh, with the high and tight uh, crew cuts and everything. But Earl Morrill originally drafted by your San Francisco 49ers with the number two pick overall. Wow. In the draft and only lasted a year there. And then he was in Pittsburgh and in uh, he was traded to Pittsburgh to Detroit for Bobby Lane. Just a really interesting career and spanned, uh, you know, from the from the mid to late 50s all the way into the mid uh, mid 70s. Twenty one years, 21 or 22, depending on where you look, uh, looked statistically like it was 21 years in a National Football League and uh, three three NFL championships two Super Bowl victories, had a great career, and kind of a guy who's a little bit lost to history. Now, we, we bled into our college football talk, but that's okay. It's our show. We can do what we want. If you don't like it, get your own podcast. We always say that. But you have to get your own Jeff Taylor. Uh, good luck with that. Yes. Um, so a lot, college, more, a lot more of us running around than there are Jeff Taylors yes, running around. Agreed. College football, um, you know, a lot of discussions out there. I'm sure you've seen, Mark, as far as uh, getting the season started on time, what uh, what adjustments can be made, if any, if we start a little bit late, even the possibilities of playing in the spring. But the interesting thing that's being talked about now is the possibility that some teams may be ready and some teams may not be ready. Now, that's teams even not not just nationally, but within conferences, you may have teams that are ready and teams that are not ready to go. The Southeastern Conference, as you could probably guess, is chomping at the bit to go as much as anyone. They generate the most revenue. It is the uh, preeminent college football conference. I know, Mark, you have some issues with that, but uh, you, you would agree at least more eyes are on the SEC than just about anything else. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't disagree 
with any of that, John. They are the preeminent college football conference, and they oftentimes, you know, how many, you know, how how many national champions or at least championship game participants do they have? I think they've had a participant game, uh, part part in 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 the final championship game. They've had a participant every single every single year. Yeah, it's, since college football playoff has happened, it, it's it's obviously the preeminent the pre preeminent college football conference. There's no doubt about it. And they're probably going to be ready uh, before a lot of people, since a lot of the South is already open as we speak. Yeah, that's right. Uh, A lot of the South is opening up. Uh, The Southeastern Conference seems like it's ready. Um, And again, all of these things are fluid and things may change, but they're ready to start on time or at least very close to on time. And uh, at the very minimum with conference games, if maybe uh, eliminating some of the out-of-conference games. But uh, in listening to Paul Feinbaum, who does a radio show and also a television show for ESPN and somebody who is really, really connected to the SEC, um, it is his understanding the SEC wants to move forward, but they don't want to be the only conference that does it. And at this time, because of geographical location, the points you just made, Mark, the ACC seems like the most likely team to go along with it. Uh, the Big 12 also uh, is uh, yeah. weighing in a little bit on this. The Big 10 would like to get started as well, but they have a little more uh, issues. They have issues because of some of the more rural areas that have yet to uh, not not only th- that haven't peaked, they really haven't even started yet, if some of the models are correct. Do you, Mark, foresee any period of time where college football would open with just two or maybe the three conferences, Big 12, ACC and SEC and just play with those three conferences? You know, that's interesting. I think uh, one of the arguments for this, because on the surface, my first blush was, no, you can't do that. That's just inherently unfair and would not work. But upon further review, after further <laughs> review, uh, I think there's a couple things that could work about it. Someone mentioned that just like uh, early season college basketball tournaments, they have those tournaments just play with those teams, and they they uh, oftentimes stay within their conference. If they don't like the one that, at Disney that you are uh, are the PA guy for, you're the voice of the Avatar Classic. Uh, you know they. They keep it to a tournament kind of thing. So if the SEC just had a tournament among themselves, then I think that could work. Or the Big 12 had a tournament among themselves. And if there were three, you know, if if they maybe took the top eight of those three conferences, the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC, and they were just playing each other, essentially, and had a playoff, I, I suppose that could work. Or Or the top four teams, I suppose that could work. And whatever revenue they got, I suppose they could split with all of the, you know, FBS football programs out there. What but about? I do think it's it's. I, I I think they'd have to obviously arrange it in a way that was uh, different than a normal college football schedule would be. It would be more tournament type style play, I think, because you you just don't have everyone in there. What, and what? I. I it could lead to some good changes, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but we'll wait for that. Well, I, what about this scenario that uh, there are teams in the SEC and teams in the ACC and teams in the Big 12 that are prepared to play, and then there are other teams that aren't, and that there are uneven numbers somewhere 
so that you can't, you know, it's not, uh, they can't play just within conference. You're going to have to expand that. Could you see a format where college football, the NCAA, and, and I, I understand there, there are a lot of moving parts to putting together something like this, but I do think there are probably some smart minds um, somewhere who are thinking about these scenarios where you combine some conferences and, to your point, play uh, a bit of a tournament in that way to determine a national championship champion, which will obviously be an asterisk national champion if you don't have all the teams playing. But do you, could you foresee something like that? Because that's the one that was really interesting to me is yeah. you might have to combine teams and then m- maybe really, really break it down into geographic areas. So Georgia and Georgia Tech are now in the same conference for, for this year or the same division, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, throwing out those traditional conferences because i think that's something that's really interesting um could be achieved and in some way might be while just while it'll be disappointing we don't get the whole college football season it might be something just like the baseball tournament we talked about that was more of like a two-month march madness that might even turn some eyes towards the sport that wouldn't otherwise watch because of just the the difference in in, in the way it's going to look and the way it's going to play out. You know, I read something along those lines, and the tournament idea I think is good, but what I would suggest if people are thinking along those lines as opposed to creating new conferences and mixing them up, how about just abandon the conference idea and it's just a pool of teams. So you happen to have three from the Big Ten, you have four from the Pac-12, Pac you have you have ten from the ACC, and you have a lot from the – you just – Throw them into one pot, in other words, and there are no conferences, and you just have them play each other the best you can and uh, possibly possibly expand the playoff by an additional game and call it a day. Well, now, I know that involves them not having conference championship games, but there's going to be a fan- financial hit regardless sure. if everyone can't be part of this. And I think it would be better and more fun, frankly, if we didn't have conferences. If if there's four teams from the SEC that aren't aren't in the conference, as opposed to taking four teams from the Big Ten and putting them down there, or four well, teams from I, the I, ACC. No, hold let's on, just hold on. Forget about conferences. Hold on. I, I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not. I, I think you're misunderstanding. I'm not saying you you take them and then say they're in the SEC. I, I'm just saying what you do is if you have, let's say there are 25 to 30 teams ready to play that you then break them into three 10-team divisions. That uh, Because, again, what, what I'm thinking of is in terms of um, if we're still dealing with some of these issues, limiting travel so that they're more geographically located, and turning those into those divisions, which could then have a conference championship game, and uh, could uh, and then it would be obviously easy out of those conference championship games to put together some sort of playoff. And to your point, if we have shortened seasons and there are fewer teams, maybe an expanded national championship playoff. But I wouldn't, I'm, I'm saying the same thing as you throw out that traditional and uh, just put them into divisions that are the most geographically uh, friendly centered on each other. Yeah. Geographically friendly and, uh, and put together their tournament that way. I, I think that could be a lot of fun. No, I think that could, I'll actually like that three, Three groups of ten. Three yeah, and it really depends on how many teams there are. Yeah, and and those three, and whoever wins those those three, they could have that plus a wild card and and 
go back to their normal format of four teams for the college football playoff. Who knows? But I think that is the way to go if indeed if indeed you have to have some teams that just can't participate. You throw it, you throw it all up in the air. You group them differently. You know, if you group them at all, but yeah, grouping them makes more sense than not grouping them at all because everyone's used to that. And you just group them differently geographically as best you possibly can and then call it a day. And everyone just knows that those 30 teams are competing for this sort of surreal one-off college football champ national championship. Yeah, you know, I, I think that could work. I, I really do. And I would I would guess most of those teams would be down south because already as of Monday of this week and we're Wednesday right now, most of the south is open. Yes, at least at some phase. I, I agree. The other, uh, you know, a couple of other things that uh, when you were, when we were talking about that, that came up to me uh, when you're dividing them up geographically. Uh, boy, it's like the draw in the World Cup. If you, uh, you know, if you're in the same, the Alabama, Auburn, LSU versus you're in the uh, Kentucky, Iowa, you, you know, you could you, sure. you, you could have a really unbalanced division or unbalanced divisions. And then would you have to take that into account as well? Uh, it, it, I, I tell you, again, as somebody, everything's disrupted at this point anyway. And if it doesn't come back normally, um, I would almost prefer to see something really radical than just uh, kind of a skeleton of what we would do uh, normally, which is, you know, maybe seven SEC teams can play, you know, six Big Ten teams, two of the three Big 12 teams, or however hell many they have in the Big 12. I know it's 10. Um, something like that. I, 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 I would love to see how they would have to put this together, frankly. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the more I think about it, John, I don't like the geography thing because of the very thing you talked about. I, I want to throw the geography thing out. I doubt by that point they can travel. They you know, they can flare hop ups on a plane. In the fall, flare ups in the fall. Maybe you want to keep that to bus travel. I don't know. I'll tell you what. <laughs> to me, a bus is as rough as a as a plane in terms but of you, but potential. But you don't have to. But you don't have to go through an airport. You don't come in contact. You have a bus driver and then the rest of your staff, which could have been tested. You won't come into contact with as many people who haven't been tested. You um, charter it. You charter it. You 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 make sure that they don't have to go through airports. And they man, go to, you love spending other people's money. Well, there it is. That's what we're talking about right now. And then you can actually put together those three groups of ten schools with an eye toward balancing it, so that every group of ten has a couple of strong teams, a couple, you know, a, a, a four really solid teams and then four maybe not so good teams or however it breaks down but you could really do something fun and have alabama and ohio state in the same group now that would be a blast for me personally and have a, a team like uh, oklahoma and georgia in the same grouping for instance i think well, that would be a blast as well and then throw clemson and lsu in you know uh, well, there's only three groupings, so we'd have to talk about that. But to me, that would be great. That would be radical enough for people to be really interested because finally we're going to see teams during the regular season have to play these tough teams. And it would be, to me, from my point of view as a college football fan that gets bored easily with the um, quote-unquote cupcakes these teams face, that would be a lot of fun, and it would be it would be great to see multiple uh, geographic locations 
battle each other on a more consistent basis, personally. Yeah, just, charter, think, just charter the flights. I think you could. <laughs> I think you could even add in there. <laughs> I think you could even add in, um, depending on if you're going to play, uh, uh, you know, close to the full length of the season or the full length, but you have teams from those conferences that aren't there, and number-wise, you could pull in a few teams, uh, uh, smaller schools, either independents or even FCS schools, that ha- can have a team up and running, and maybe they, those teams, some of those schools can get the financial benefit of playing, because that's one of the big things about you know those cupcake games that, that you absolutely despise. I do. Uh, and, and and I'm less bothered by, but I understand how you feel. But that's just such a financial windfall for these schools. You would hate to see. You'd like to see if some of them can put a team on the field that they would be able to play. But I know it's all it's all very, very interesting. Uh, I do agree with you. It would be just great because one of the things that both you and I would like to see a lot more. I mean, college football is my favorite sport. Um is I'd love to see a lot more intersectional games. I I, yeah. I brought up just the the geography for you know the safety, but you know your safety be damned. Safety and money be damned. Charter, uh, yeah, money be damned. Absolutely, yes. money be damned. Uh, no, I'm 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 concerned about safety. But it it would be it would be fun to your point to see. I mean, how how excited do we get early in a college football season when you get uh, you know Oregon and LSU or you get right. these. Uh, rivalries. The other question, though, Mark, and here let's open up this can of worms is how do you decide those teams and how you break it up? Because, uh, you know, Alabama, LSU, there are a handful of teams, you know, the, the teams that are the best. But then who do you decide the bottom dwellers? What do you base that on? What do you base the, the teams that fall somewhere in the middle? And can't, don't you know if you're you know, if you're in a conference with Alabama and Clemson and Florida and you're. Vanderbilt. Yeah, well, you're pretty much in the same place you were before, but yeah, uh, <laughs> you are exact same place you are before. The the thing about it is, is I, I everyone has to know, everyone will know that it's a one off. So you throw out all traditional rivalries, you throw everything else out and uh, and you bring in as many dogs as you possibly can. Sorry, my wife's not here, so the dogs have to be in here and they've. They're excited now. They're responding. They, they didn't like my idea. They didn't like, like my idea of throwing away traditional rivalries. Not at you all. Have, you have very traditionally uh, minded dogs, John Pelkey. Yes, very traditionally minded dogs. Anyway, this is all it, it's all fun. And like I said, I, I would like to see, obviously, the whole season go on. The other thing that uh, one of the big things that's being discussed and before we get out of this, and I know we're running over time again and I don't care. Uh, many, many of the athletic directors and presidents of schools that said that there's no way they could move forward with games on campus if there weren't students on campus. Uh-huh. So what are your feelings about that? I don't know. I haven't really thought about that, but I think what, what, what's their reasoning for that? Well, there are a couple of different reasons. There are some of them who, who are, you know, it's that, that's part of the whole experience and oh, blah, blah, blah. That faux, that faux the, idea that they're right. student athletes. Right. Uh, the other side of it is if it's not safe enough to have that many people together in a stadium or on, on campus, then you can't then fill the stadium on those weekends so that it would have to be a situation of the campus would have to be fully open and everyone would have to feel safe in gathering uh, to start opening up the stadiums, even at at, at not full capacity. Yeah, I, you know, again, those are purely spe- speculative uh, things right now. And and you know what I think is going to happen, John, is in terms of people gathered in big crowds and taking a cue from entities that are trying to do that, 
in a in a responsible way, a safe way, and an economically viable way, I think I think all eyes are going to turn to Central Florida and how Disney and Universal does this. Because to me, it just permeates sort of every section of society in terms of people being able to relate to going to a park, being amongst a lot of people from all over the world. And you can disseminate that knowledge and that information to sports and to other, to theater, to other big event concerts, anything big and an event like that requires a, a crowd. And I think everyone's going to do that. And, I, you know, Shanghai is going to open on May 11th. They closed on January 25th. China's done a better job than the, than the rest of the world, frankly, on uh, getting this thing under control because they knew what it was from the top. And uh, they, they sort of, uh, you know, they have no problem quarantining people. And if anyone breaks the quarantine, you know, they risk their legs being broken at, at the very least. But regardless, and, and our show will probably now be under some sort of uh, surveillance by the Chinese government. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great, John Pelkey, if somehow, somehow because we, we ripped or, or, or we, we uh, our backhanded compliment to China getting ahead of this thing, you know, sort of undercut and ripped them, and that, that got to some people over there. And even though seven people listened to it in the United States, in China, we're banned. That would be a lot of fun. You know what? It, it'd, be, it'd be a great selling point. Banned in China. We ought to say it anyway. Because we could <laughs> just think- convince everybody that China was lying if we weren't banned. And we probably it's- are. Yeah, we're banned in China. And, and what do you think, though? I, I do think that Disney is going to be a harbinger for all huge events moving forward. So if Disney figures out some sort of way, college football, pro football, sports can do the same thing in terms of how to manage big crowds I guess, safely I, and economically I, viably. I, yeah, I guess. It's just that, you know, at Disney, at no point do you have, you know, 60,000 people packed quite as tightly together in, in, a, in a bowl, essentially, like you do in sports. So I think it's a little bit different. I think baseball is really what's going to lead the way with all of this. Um, but I but I don't disagree that uh, they're going to look at uh, things like the theme parks um, to see how they manage things. And they're getting a lot of credit for having shut down prior to uh, requests right. and right. stuff from the state for doing that. So, yeah, it's just the whole thing is just really, really interesting to me. The whole reopening of sports and um, yeah, and what we're seeing. But I thought the college the, the fact that college football, again, is entertaining these discussions and they're having people on who are speaking eloquently about them says to me these discussions are being had behind closed doors as well, probably on right. a daily basis because there's a lot of money involved. There's, There's a, a lot of money, and, lot and of money I, I think the, you know, I read this almost in every article I read about this, is that they they said we really can't start making realistic decisions until June first. Yeah. No. I. And, yeah. And so right now it is all speculative and people kind of talking and ideas being bandied about, and some of them are fun to talk about. There's no doubt about it. But it'll be really interesting. Three weeks essentially, John, is June first, which is unbelievable. Yep. The, that we will start getting some, you know. Very, very tangible plans being laid out. All right, there you go. A uh, lot, to, lot to unpack. I'm sure we'll talk about this more. But now it's time to get on to our second set of clues in progressive trivia. Baseball progressive trivia, Mark. 
Yes, it is. Uh, we'll review the first four clues, over 300 career steals, 200 of which came during a six-year stretch, 12-plus All-Star games for this guy, played multiple World Series, never won, five-time Gold Glove winner. Next set of clues, never won an MVP, but finished in the top ten seven times. He is a Hall of Famer. He has over 1,100 RBIs in his career and over 1,300 runs scored in his career. So those are your first eight progressive trivia, baseball progressive trivia. There you go, Johnny. That's a tough one. I was, by, by the way, I watched uh, last night, speaking of baseball, I watched the 30 for 30 on four days in October, about the 2004 um, American Ooh, League Championship boy. Series. That is, that is a good one. That is it's, a good it, 30 for 30. It's speaking just, of Kurt Schilling. <laughs> it's just remarkable, too. I mean, it really, really is remarkable that you would get at any two teams playing that series. You know, had it been the Royals and the Blue Jays or the, you know, the Mariners and the Orioles, it would have been uh, you unbelievable. S- you say those teams like I said Delaware. <laughs> yes, exactly. The Mariners and the Blue Jays. Uh, it would have been remarkable. But for it to be those two teams. I know. Seriously. And go down that way. Seriously. It's just, you know, I'm, football is prose. Baseball is poetry. That's just that's just the way things are. I agree. I agree. That's, that's why that uh, thir- particular 30 for 30 was so compelling. It's just brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's just brilliant. Anyway, uh, speaking of the way things are, we want to talk about the way we would prefer that they be. What would you change in sports? Sports all shut down, Mark, for all intents and purposes. It's the off season for everything. Yeah. What would you change before we open up sports to, to make Whichever sport you're talking about, better or or whatever you're looking to do, what would you change? So this is assuming I have all power. You do. You have all power. You are all powerful. I mean, you can't do them. You know, you're not genie for my dream of genie. And and my only magical person reference is 55 years old, which I think says a lot. Wow. Barbara Eden, still going, by the way. I know, I know. That, she's she just turned 110 yesterday. Wow. Well, say happy birthday to the whole Eden family. Um, Anthony she's Eden. always on. Yeah. Well, you know, you just the the family. It takes a village and a whole village family. So, uh, what would you change, Mark? You you have all power. You're the all powerful. All right. Well, the first thing I would do, John, is keep the virtual draft. That was so remarkably successful. They had, I believe their best rating ever, their best rating ever in the NFL. Now, you know, granted, nothing else is going on, but it worked. It worked so seamlessly, splendidly. It gave people an insight into things that they never had before. To your point, you love the human interest stuff. That landed, in my opinion, a lot more than it usually does because it's such pomp and circumstance normally. Anyway, I would keep the virtual draft. I would also shorten the college football season. Now, the uh, benefit to shortening shortening the college football season would be perhaps expanding the playoff, which I think obviously should happen. It should go to at least eight because I think that would really, really let college football truly compete with the NFL at that time of year because normally it's, it's a very much of a – sort of a denouement, sort of anticlimactic as, as a rule with all the bowl games that don't matter. So, but the real change is shortening the season and that is eliminating the cupcake games. I know you, the, the big argument is that, you know, Louisiana state by the sea for nuns is, uh, 
is going to get a paycheck that they normally wouldn't get when they play Alabama in the, you know, in the penultimate game of, of the season. But my point is, is that you just cut them a check, just cut them a check. Don't play them. It, it, it is boring. It is a waste of a week in college football. Yeah. But so, what, what do you mean? Cut them a check. So it's just, you know, uh, Hello. Hi. Yeah, it's Louisiana Tech by the sea for none. Still don't know why we bought this, uh, uh, all of this uh, real estate by the sea for the nun school. But we did it. And because of that, uh, we're financially strapped. So uh, lovely here in Tuscaloosa. Could I have two million dollars? I mean, after there has to be they, they make the money by playing the game, Mark. It's not, you know, you, you can't just give them the money. They have I to under- play the game. I I understand you have to play the game to generate a percentage of the check that you would give them. Yes, but I think you you can make that up in the additional revenue you're going to get with the expanded playoff because you've shortened the season and okay, therefore all of those uh, all of those excuses not to expand the playoff in terms of the kids and their rest and their study time and everything else are rendered moot. Get rid of those cupcake games. Okay. I would also have a basketball start at Christmas time. We've talked about that. You've I taken mine. I'm so sorry, Johnny. No, it's okay. I figured it would come up because it's one we always talk about, how the NBA could own the couple of days around Christmas, sports-wise. I think hockey should start at Thanksgiving. And then that, now there's a full month in between. It used to be that way. When I grew up, it seemingly used to be that way, where hockey – where, where basketball had about a month after hockey was done so that there was a nice difference right now. They're about four days apart. It seem, seeming seemingly. And I don't like that as much. I think hockey starts a little bit later, but not quite as much later. And of course they normally start their season a little earlier. So hockey starts at Thanksgiving. We get rid of, we shorten the NFL training camp and the OTAs, maybe get rid of some of that stuff. And maybe shortening the training camp includes getting rid of some of the preseason games. We don't need all of that. And then the last thing is a rule that says you cannot shorten the baseball season to less than 154 games. And I know there's a lot of arguments to do it. We've talked about it a lot on this show. But, John, I think you agree with me. Numbers are just too important in Major League Baseball. And you've got to keep some integrity with that, which is why people get so upset with the steroid thing. I think you really do. I think it's a big part of the game, which is, again, why a Willie Mays or a Ted Williams, who not only didn't win win that many World Series, or Willie Mays won one with the Mets when he was 87, and he won one when he was a, a young guy with, with the Giants, but didn't play very well in those series. Ted Williams didn't play very well in the, in the one or two series that he, he had. It doesn't matter postseason success as much for baseball because it's all about the numbers. So I don't think you can shorten the season to shorter than 154. And that's it for me. Okay. Well, you you know you took uh, you took my uh, basketball. I, I would sh- I would shorten the NBA season a bit, uh, and I would start it on Christmas. Uh, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't eliminate every game that happened before Christmas. I think you'd. I, I don't even mind them. To, quite frankly, Mark, I don't mind them going later into June and even early July when there's not a lot going on. They could own that time before the NFL gets to training camp. When I that agree. Becomes, when that becomes the focus. So I don't think going into the early summer is a bad idea for any of those. Um, I agree. For, for either hockey or uh, or and the NBA. But I just love that idea. You know, I 
I don't watch a lot of early season NBA because, you know, we're tied up generally. And we're, I'm a football fan. I'm tied up with pro football, college football, you know, a little bit checking in, in here and there. But then there's also the baseball playoffs at the beginning of the NBA season going on. So it's really difficult uh, uh, to to dial into that early NBA. But, you know, on Christmas Day, generally, if, if we're not working, and you and I will never work again, so we're going to have our Christmas days off, uh, that's just that's just the day if, if you know, but I don't have kids, and you, you open up your presents, whatever, you're hanging out, and you can put, a, put an NBA game on. And, boy, you know, start the beginning of the season, make it those traditional – Rivalries, but you know, make it the Celtics and the Lakers, you know, the the Warriors and and the, the Heat, what, whomever, whatever you decide, you know, those marquee teams are. I just think that'd be a great idea. The other thing I would change is, uh, and and this is a generational thing, though I'm going against type, is I would just allow celebrations in in football. Nice. And here's nice. here's the reason why, and in college football particularly, and people are like, "Wow, oh, I'm showing poor sportsmanship." Blah 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 blah. Yeah, that's always the old guy who would have been an All American if only his JV coach hadn't hated him and cut him when he was thirteen or fourteen. Um, and a huge problem with that. Hey, act like you've been there before. It's easy to say when you've never been there. How many of those guys have ever been in the end zone in a Division One college football? I act like you've been there. Well, you're not there. You've never right. been there. Yeah. You shouldn't be allowed to look there. He shouldn't be allowed to contact. say that. Exactly. He shouldn't be allowed to have that opinion. Frankly. No, he, he really shouldn't, shouldn't because he's never been there. So how does he know what it's right. like to have been there before? Right. Exactly. To lecture some other kid about act like you've been there before. Give me a break. But here's what you know. Here's what why I advocated because sports is entertainment. And we talked about it before on the show where, you know, hating a team is as important as loving a team that you love teams more because you hate teams. It's all part of it. And I think it's great in college football because you will have teams that don't do any of that. You know, they come in buttoned up. No, I know. And that's very interesting, too. And and, and it's it's really interesting. You look at the take an example like uh, Cam Newton now in, in college. He did some. But in the pros, he's obviously done a lot. And people use that as a slight against him. Like, you know, he brings he brings extra baggage to the team because of, you know, it's all about him in the in the end zone. It's not all about him. He every single time when he scores a touchdown, he finds a kid and gives him the football. And it's all yeah. about that. That is what it's about. He does his celebration because he's happy. It's OK, even though it may not fit with your definition of it in your particular culture. However, he always ends up giving the football to a child watching the game. So to me, it, it we need to look past the first blush of not being comfortable with these celebrations. I think it's fine. I think it's fun. And to your point, it's entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just that's a and, good and again, one. John. My whole point about my whole point about like a team coming in buttoned up and then a team that's out there, you know, like uh, the, the Miami Hurricanes were in their heyday. And then somebody else comes in, like a Nebraska, and it's very buttoned up. That dichotomy, and that's what, to me, makes it entertaining, particularly if it's a game that you don't have a, you don't have a vested interest in. It's not your team. So you can tune in. And I just I think you know, trying to legislate that down is just a way to keep angry white guys who are, again, are just bitter because still angry. they weren't the ones who were there. You know, they weren't the sports stars. They were destined to be because because Coach Miller in the ninth grade, he didn't like me. 
because I wore my Iron Maiden T-shirt and he didn't like it. So he cut me from the team, despite the fact that I was the best. If you think that you were the best player on the team and you were cut for uh, any reason, you know what? Your reasoning is wrong. You were not the best player on the team. Yeah, yeah, you you were clearly not the best player of the team, and 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 when you say <laughs> angry white guy, it's like you, you really have nothing to be angry about for 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 millennia. You've had nothing to be angry about, and certainly over the last three years, you've had no, four years almost. You've had nothing to be angry about, but yet we still find they're they're still yelling, John. They're still yelling at people. I, know. I, just, I just heard something today. They, this per, poor lady outside of a grocery store asked a man to put his mask on because they required it. And he just started berating her about the constitution. Right. And it's like, Oh my gosh. Don't get just don't, wrong. Anyway. Just wrong. But I, you know, and it's just that, 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 that old school, uh, sports ethic, um, you know, and, and again, college where guys are making, people are making millions of dollars on these guys, but Oh boy, you know, don't, don't make that. Yeah. You know, listen. Yeah. Are there some gestures that are inappropriate? And again, I give I give all the coaches uh, all of the leeway they want, but I just don't think you legislate above that. I think that's ridiculous. All and right. you know me, I'm a big government liberal. I love I want everything legislated, but uh, <laughs> here's here's one that I don't. All right, uh, I'm over two on this uh, on the clues, and I knew the last one was wrong. I do that where I send one. I know it's wrong the minute I send it, but uh, let's see if you can help me out because I'm struggling with this one. This is a tough one. Baseball, I to me. I have more success writing baseball progressive trivies for whatever reason, John. I think uh, it's it's tougher to. Well, the statistical things, even though you can't be 100 percent, you know, you can say 300 plus. You can't give them the numbers because, you know, people will cheat. Uh, yeah, but it, it gives you it generally gives you a lot more um, uh, material. It you does. Don't to, you don't have to come up with things it, like, you know, played in the college football in the Rose Bowl and the College World Series. You could go almost right. exclusively on statistics. It, no, exactly, and it's uh, it's it's a little bit easier and a little bit more successful. I found uh, to to stump people with this. Let's review the first eight clues. Over three hundred career steals, two hundred of which came during a six-year stretch, a torrid six-year stretch. Twelve-plus All-Star games, played in multiple World Series, but never won. Five-time Gold Glove winner, never won a MVP, but finished in the top ten seven times. He is a Hall of Famer. Over eleven hundred RBIs, over thirteen hundred runs scored. Hit above 350 five years in a row. Five years in a row hit above 350. Played for 18-plus years. He's in the top 25 all-time in hits, and he's in the top 20 all-time in batting average. Top 20 all-time in batting average, top 25 in hits all-time. Played for 18-plus years. And at one stretch, hit 350 five or above three uh, five years in a row. So there you go. Let's see if we got any more guesses from Johnny or from Jeff, who was yet to guess right now because he uh, wasn't quite ready. Right, Jeffrey? Sorry, I called you Jeffrey. You probably hate that. No, right? I don't. I, I like it. Uh, okay. I made a guess. It was. It's a stretch. Literally only thinking about that career playing time and not winning a World Series. Uh-huh. He, uh, that is not right. Okay. That is not right. Ted Williams is not right. Kenny Lofton is not right. And uh, Roberto Alomar. I was assuming yeah. it wasn't Sandy Alomar, right, John? No, it was not. I thought about well, I put it out there, and I thought if you went, yes, it's Sandy Alomar, I'd just go along and pretend that's what I meant. I'm not above that. I'm not above no, that at all. I understand that. I understand that. So there it is. I gave you there another one, though. I gave you another one there, Mark, uh, all right, just to but, see. And I'm pretty sure it's wrong. 
It is. Rafael Palmeiro, not yeah. right. Okay. No. Wow. He's not in the Hall of Fame. That's that's the one oh, thing. I keep, you know what? I, it's the, I wrote down all the clues, and for whatever ever reason, I never write down the Hall of Fame clue, and that's uh, that's that's why. So, all right. Okay. Got to think about it. That Boy, that's it. That's a good one. All right. Uh, we want to talk a little about our poll question, Mark, because we did have a couple of people chime in uh, on our poll question. And again, that remains out there. If you want to leave us a voice message, it's uh, podcastafr at gmail.com. You can also leave that on one of Mark or my Facebook pages or the After Further Review Facebook page. Uh, but we'd love to get a, uh, a a voice memo from you because, you know, we may play that on the show. You get to hear your you get to hear your voice on on the podcast. We encourage that. We encourage yeah, that. We like that. Okay. We like that because people don't want to just listen to us all the time. Why no, would no, they? no. It really I'm breaks up the show nicely. Barely listening to you right now. Oh yeah, exactly. Again, fourteen percent of what I say, you actually hear. Yep, that's absolutely correct. But uh, the, so far, uh, in the in the, uh, I've actually had, uh, several responses on my page. Everybody pretty much tending uh, trending towards the the same thing, which is they believe everybody has their right to have a political opinion, because we were asking about it, what you felt about athletes who were politically active. Um, and 80% of them, trying to work the numbers in my head, 80% of them said, you know, and they have absolutely no problem with it. Did have a couple people who said they wish that people would keep politics out of sports just because they, they find it now to be just another thing to polarize us, and they like their sports to be an escape. And I completely understand that. But they were saying people had a right, but that they just prefer that it that it not come up. And I think that's why some of the people were offended with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, they were offended for the wrong reasons in my mind, but they were offended not because he took a stand, but that he took a stand on a Sunday during a game. And we heard people back in the day talk about that, Mark. Right, exactly. That there, you know, here's someone ready to after working hard all week. Have a, has a chance to relax and watch some football and has carved out three hours in the afternoon with a, a couple of cold ones. And here's a guy kneeling during the national anthem. What the heck? I get it. It's fine. And, and that's okay. I get that. I've also heard people kind of push back on athletes doing this because they have this platform that everyone else doesn't have. And people feel like they're taking advantage of that in ways that necessarily they they shouldn't. They have a platform that, that to that's, me, that's not how so, they should use it. I've heard, that's I've so heard hypocritical. that. Well, that, of course that's just so the hypocritical. whole thing is hypocritical, John. Because you, 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 they, yes, you do have that platform. Um, just like you know, politicians, we give them that platform to have opinions and say these things. So I just think the whatever your platform is, uh, if you are a parent of a child at a school board meeting and you have an issue, it's probably going to hold more weight than if you're somebody who doesn't have any kids. I mean, the, it, there are inequities in, in a lot of things. And sure, it's an inequity that you, whatever, house painter, radio broadcaster, whatever, don't have the same platform that a professional athlete does. But the idea then that they shouldn't exercise that because those platforms aren't equal, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Jeff you, Taylor got it right, by the way. Outstanding work. Outstanding. <laughs> My batting average is going down, but I'm still uh, putting up Hall of Fame numbers at this point. You, you really are. You really are. My do, goodness good gracious. Do you, That's a good one. Do you have a problem with, uh, with him being blackballed from the NFL for doing that? Yes. They, they don't have the right to say that you no, can't no, no. use our platform? I'm not saying, I, I have a problem with it. 
Um, I'm not saying they don't have the right. They're not so, being honest. I so, have no problem with that. So in the in the same vein that I have a problem with what Colin Kaepernick did, but I don't ever argue that he doesn't have the right to use his platform to do it. You right. you feel the same way about the owner saying, all right, we don't like this. We don't want this guy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't want to bring him on board, then that's perfectly fine. Um, it, it I, I consider it. And this is my opinion on American. But I, I do think that they have the right to do it. Certainly, it's a private it's a, a private business now. In many ways, I look at that and say that there are owners and Mark, I know you'll agree. There are owners over the last how long has it been now? Three years since this has happened who have made the conscious decision not to improve their team because of this. No, I agree with that. And I, I agree with John and I agree with you, Jeff, that these owners certainly have the right to do it. And uh, obviously Colin Kaepernick had the right to do that as well. And people can either like it or they don't. It's just uh, what bothers me, Jeff, is that it's okay for, you know, in, in the same breath from a lot of the people that did not like what Colin Kaepernick did, they're applauding people going to state capitals with long guns for crying out loud and dressed in camouflage gear and screaming and shouting at the state capitol with these weapons in full display. That's fine, but a guy can't kneel at the beginning of a football game. That kind of stuff pushes buttons in me, but in terms of what, who has the right to do what, I agree with you. And I will also say this about Colin Kaepernick. That when he set up that tryout last year, and we remember when he did that, it was some, I don't know, North Carolina somewhere. There was uh, a tryout, and it looked like 16 to 20 different teams were going to go and check him out. And it had been two, two, two and a half years since all this stuff had sort of died down, and he was going to do, he was going to work out for these teams. And at the last second, he changed the location for reasons that are, way, way too cryptic in my mind to eliminate the opportunity that he was given by the NFL. And at that point in time, I really said, well, this is on you now, dude. This is truly on you. You had a chance. And just because the media was going to be there and then the narrative may not have been exactly what you wanted. I mean, who gets to control any narrative anytime? Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, I, I, on, I, I, dude. I, I agree. I agree that he hasn't played everything right either. Uh, but uh, it, it's, you know, for me again, it's it's that that idea that uh, all dissent in this country should be absolutely legal and, and is constitutionally. Um, and he was a private owner uh, in private business. If you don't want to hire this guy for that reason that you are either and here's the thing either offended by what he does which i don't think that many of them are um right right or they're afraid that they'll take a hit in the pocketbook if they hire sure. him because because people will um yeah will will demonstrate and that's those people's uh uh right as well i think it's a little cowardly and again i'll go back to the fact that you have made a decision not to improve your football team because there's no way you can tell me over the last three years that there haven't been teams that Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback would not have improved their he, team. He could still improve teams right now. He's not, you know, there are, there are not 32, uh, I'm sorry, 64 quarterbacks out there that are better than Colin Kaepernick, uh, even I, now I, I will at his say, advanced age. I will say this, that uh, he was 
in doubt of being able to improve the San Francisco 49ers when he started kneeling because he wasn't starting for them at that time. He'd been he wasn't. Uh, dethroned he by uh, another quarterback at that point. Lane Gabbert. Yes, a guy who wouldn't be improving any teams that uh, I can think of right now either. Right, but he, he is still on teams, is the thing. He, Lane Gabbert still has a job. Yeah, I don't think that. anybody wants to sign Colin Kaepernick to sit on their bench and hold their clipboard, though, because I don't think that's what he's good at. I don't think the guy is a good leader. I think he, uh, I think he was a very well, good athletic Well, I would argue he took a leadership uh, position position in his community and uh, so no yeah i i agree to disagree I'll, i know i know I'm, I'm just saying i think the guy yeah. took a great leadership and i you know i think as i a, think i think a, he took a great i think he took a very uh very ballsy stand but uh i don't think he handled his i don't think he handled it in a very good way post that stand I think if he had been more like a guy like Muhammad Ali, who made a stand and then went out and spoke about his stand and made, brought you onto his side in his stand, then he maybe would have been able to make a bigger difference. Where I feel like Colin Kaepernick came off as kind of whiny and 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 didn't make that big of a difference. Or oratorily, he he was challenged in in terms of that. In terms of in terms of really really being able to lay out his reasoning for doing this uh i agree to some to some extent and also in terms of the team point he, he was benched behind blaine gabbard now granted it was jim tom sula who was the coach at the time who was there for just a year and uh, had no business being a head coach uh but yes as a he's fan the, of the san francisco he's the 49ers, eric Spolstra of the nfl i'm sorry he's the eric Spolstra of the nfl <laughs> well sue he'll be in the hall of fame then he he, he uh at, he was not a great leader on the team he was not a great quarterback on the team in terms of leading in the huddle and leading in the locker room from everything I read and everything I could discern about the San Francisco 49ers. And I, and I think that there was something there, and defenses had begun to figure him out. And because he wasn't accurate, he couldn't make that transition like, Lamar, like a Lamar Jackson can because he's so darn accurate from wherever he throws from that you now it truly is a two-fisted monster passing and running but with colin kaepernick it wasn't he had a gun he had a cannon but he only could really hit guys who were wide open with yeah. the run pass option stuff well, but let me just and we'll wrap this up because we're running over with this as well but just you know also how many starts does Cal colin kaepernick have in the league and how many starts are other guys given to actually you know improve in that way so it's it's it you know it's just interesting again with me i, I have no problem i have no problem with dissent um, on I, on either side, and I get that there are people who are offended by 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 taking a knee. Um, there are veterans who are offended by it. There are veterans who weren't, I and mean, it's 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 open for interpretation. But uh, I think we're more on the same page than we're against all of us about you know yeah you have the right to do it. But it's like you know people when they say when they say something online or they they get caught saying something and people give them a hard time and they start screaming free speech. Well, you, free the, you know we have free speech meaning the government can't make rules. And even that is, I mean, there are some limitations to free speech. It doesn't right. mean that there aren't uh, consequences. And Colin Kaepernick, I think he was surprised by the consequences. And uh, he, he's still paying for it in some way. I'm just, I just argue as a team that's been quarter, as a fan of a team that's been quarterback challenged, eh, there are plenty of teams that could have used the Colin Kaepernick out there. All right, Mark, uh, the progressive trivia, which, uh, which Jeff got, it's time to, uh, time to hear the name that the, none of the rest of us came up with. I, 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 I really can't. 
say enough, Jeff, how impressed I am with your run on this and, and you getting this one after, uh, you know, your first guess of Ted Williams, who he, I think, went right there. Now, granted, I, the, I, the, I don't think Ted Williams had that many steals. I just was thinking of guys in the Hall of Fame, played a long time, were right. an all-star quite a bit. And some of those guys, you'd be surprised, and I should have known because I remember the old Gwen at the club, and it, we brought up steals. Some of those guys who played for a long time, we remember them maybe later in their career, and some of them do have surprising numbers. Hank Aaron comes to mind of guys who stole a lot more bases than you yeah. expected because they, you know, they made the majors at 20, and we remember them at 33 when they probably weren't stealing as many bases. So 300 career steals, 200 of which came during a six-year stretch, 12-plus All-Star games, played in multiple World Series, played in two. Didn't win after the 84 season and after the 98 season. Uh, Five-time Gold Glove winner. I think they won one World Series game combined uh, in those two World Series. And uh, never won an MVP. Finished in the top 10 seven times. Hall of Famer, over 1,100 ribbies, over 1,300 runs scored. Now, this is where it gets a little bit easier in terms of who this guy is. I hit above 355 years in a row. One year was 394, John. In 1994, now oh, I remember that. Of course, that was a season that was interrupted because of the strike. He was hitting 394. That was a true 400 run, the best one we've in my in my lifetime we've seen, even better than George Brett's, and uh, and better than uh, T- Todd Helton's uh, did a little bit later. Played for 18 plus years. He played for 20 actually, top 25 in hits. He's over 3,000, top 20 all time in batting at 338 career batting average. 338. <laughs> It's Tony Gwynn, ladies and gentlemen. One team as well. Tony Gwynn. 300 uh, steals. Oh, I he was, didn't say he, Tony. I meant Fred. One year. I meant Fred Gwynn. It wasn't Fred. <laughs> what the hell is it, you? <laughs> was Best Fred Gwynn line ever. Fred Gwynn and uh, my cousin Vinny. Yes. Oh, sorry. The two youths. Ah, <laughs> uh, Fred Gwynn. That's a, that, that movie holds up, man. Yeah, and, the comedy of that movie holds up. Fred Gwynn, I mean, that's Marino-like, Mark. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Fred you know Gwynn. I mean? He got to two as opposed to one, but it's it, it really is. They weren't in either of those World Series when they got there, San Diego. and Not, uh, not at all. Not, now, not you're going to have to toil your whole career in one city and not win. San Diego, probably a pretty good choice. Yeah. You, you didn't spend the whole time in, and here we go, we'll get the angry letters. You know, Cleveland. Yeah, you're, no, you're in San Diego. We're going to get letters from Cleveland. I don't believe that. First of all, letters, number one. <laughs> got to save the Postal Service. Go get yeah, some stamps. We, we really do. We really do. Yeah, so that's it. So it's Tony Gwynn, ladies and gentlemen. Tony right. that's Gwynn. A good one. That's a good one. And hopefully a guy, that's a guy who strikes me because he didn't win championships who might end up getting lost to history, and he really shouldn't because in addition to being a great player, every interaction, anybody I know has any interaction with him, just a terrific guy. Yeah, yeah, late break. Mark? Yes, sir. You had a few additional things you wanted to talk about. I I do. I just wanted to throw out a couple notes that I thought were fun. I want to ask you guys this. What do Mike Shanahan, Tom Flores, George Seifert, and Tom Coughlin all have in common? Shanahan, Flores, Seifert, and Coughlin. And And if you want to guess, that's fine, but I can tell you. They've each won two Super Bowls, and none of them are in the Hall of Fame. Mm, okay. And, and I don't think anyone, you know, because they've all been retired for quite some time now, from coaching at least, uh, I don't think anyone will be in the Hall of Fame. So that's interesting. Those are coaches with two Super Bowls as head coaches, not in the Hall of Fame. 
And I find, find that Tom, pretty interesting. Tom Flores first. That's first wild card team, right, to win the Super Bowl. Those eighty Raiders. Oh yeah, that was an underdog team. He loses his starting quarterback within the first. Was it the exactly. first game that Dan Prasterini broke his leg? No, I think it was game five or six. Was it that late in it? But you know, it was very. It was a lot like the seventy-two Dolphins without perfection. They had the the, the veteran guy come in, um, and now Plunkett hadn't been an MVP before, like Earl Morrill. But uh, yeah, Tom Flores. Never get it, 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 people just I would say, Mark, there's a large percentage of people right now. who, If you ask them who the coach of the 80 and the 83 Raiders were, they'd say John Madden. Right. Right. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And again, Tom Coughlin with two Super Bowl victories against. I, I think the he'll best get in. team ever. I think. he'll get in. I think, Yeah. So do I. I think Coughlin will probably get in. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. I do. I do. I think he will get in because he also took that Jacksonville team. He they did. have championship games. I mean, he. Yeah, I, I think Tom Coughlin does does eventually get into the Hall of Fame. I don't know about Shanahan um, or Seifert. A lot of people think it's Bill Walsh's team, although he did win two. Right. That, right. Yeah. So, you uh, know, I mean, you know, George, points. Yeah. So and then and there's a little bit of a homer edge to that one because Tom Flores, you know, I, I loved the Raiders in that era with Tom Flores. Obviously, I'm a Niner fan. <clears throat> Shanahan has Niner lineage. So uh, that's kind of a Homer uh, little note, a little fun fact. And here's another Homer fun fact. Ready for this one? Yep. Along with Christy Matheson. Now, it's a little bit of a Homer. He played for the Giants. but uh, The great Christian gentleman, Christy Matheson. Along with Christy Matheson, who is the only Major League Baseball player since 1900 to throw a scoreless outing, hit a home run, and steal a base in the same game? Steven Strasburg. No. It is last year. It was Pablo Sandoval. Oh. <laughs> Pablo Sandoval stole a base? He stole, yeah. Did that's more impressive than him. Oh, oh, stole a base. I, I didn't catch. That was the last thing you said. I'd already made my mind up in my guess. Wow. Although I think Strasburg is just, just as likely in his case. I, I think Strasburg is just as likely to steal a base as Pablo Sandoval, though, to be honest with you. Uh, and, Strasburg, and it, and it, he only has to take like four steps and he's all the way from first to second anyway, because he's so lanky. But Sandoval, how yeah, do you steal a base? that you said stole you were more shocked with him stealing a base than throwing a scoreless outing? <laughs> no. Oh, God, well, yeah. Yes. Yes. Pablo Sandoval is more likely to steal four hamburgers than (laughs) steal a base. That's just hilarious. That's great. And uh, I also want to bring up Jackie, who's a dolphin mom, goes by dolphin mom. And we know her from uh, from the club and uh, her daughter, her and her daughter, Lisa. We see what we used to see every Sunday at the club. And uh, they're big fans of the show, John Pelkey. And she had she wrote about him and they're huge dolphin fans, Mm -hmm. much bigger dolphin fans than they are fans of you and I, obviously. Uh, and uh, she had a great memory about Don Shula at the club. And there were these uh, sort of high-top chairs that would be put in front of our booth facing the stage, and they would be butted up right against the booth. And, and, you know, a lot of people would choose those seats to watch some games. Well, apparently, I I didn't – I wrote her back about what year was this because, you know me, I really like to have uh, context. She got like a four-page questionnaire. Demanding answers. <laughs> and I did. I demanded answers from what her. What time of day? What time of day was it? What did you order? What did you eat? I support his right to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. At any rate, John uh, and Jeff, Jackie saw him. And he was there by himself. 
on one of those chairs watching a game. I, I assume he was watching the game as opposed to just contemplating and reflecting about the existence of, of time and man. But um, I just wanted a sandwich. Please leave me alone. He said he was he she, of course, led with that. Like, I don't want to bother you, but he was very gracious. She sat with him for a bit. And it's just a great memory for her because he was very kind and and they had a, a, a nice little conversation. He was by himself. And, uh, you know, you got to figure he was in his mid to late 70s at that point in time. Yeah. So uh, a great memory. Yeah. Don Shula. Yeah. Well, there was a Shula Steakhouse in uh, either the Dolphin or Swan Hotel, which is near the ESPN club. Um, so uh, I, I assume because the, uh, the the time that Riley Claremont had talked about where he came in and ate and then offered uh, if if people would just would let him eat, that he offered to sit and sign autographs. And he did for a good period of time. He was there. He said he was there checking on his restaurant. So he would do that from time to time. He has a burger place also, mm-hmm. I believe, in, in the central Florida area. So that's a great story. And, you know, that's that was the thing about the ESPN club back in the glory days. You could wander in there, and you, you, you didn't know who you'd run into. You'd That's run true. into. We ran into Mark Cuban sitting at the bar a couple of times during NFL uh, Sundays, and we would have a question, and we'd generally try not to bother anybody who's a known yeah. personality. We'd leave him alone. He, he always wanted to chime in. That's not surprising if you know Cuban. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, – remember, remember sitting in the booth doing progress, hockey progressive trivia, and guy comes up to guess, and it's Scotty Bowman. The greatest NHL coach of all time. I know. That was so much fun. I, I was there yeah. for that one. I, I was never there for the Cuban one. Let me ask you, uh, Jeff, who's um, labeled, you've labeled yourself a libertarian, really, is for the most part. And so is Mark Cuban. Would you vote for him for president? I'd have to hear what he had to say first. But, I mean, he's, he's spoken out a lot over the years yeah, you know, he, in a variety he of says, issues. He says a lot of good things, but he always gets to say them on his terms. I'd like to see him questioned and answering the questions about how he would, how he would run the country as opposed to, to assuming his beliefs. I don't know enough about his beliefs to say yes or no. All right, fair enough. John, back to you. All right, <laughs> that's it. That's it. This, boy, this, I know this conversation is going to continue when we're done, when we're wrapping it up, which we're going to do right now. Thank everybody for listening. Remember, our poll question this week is we want your opinions of what you think about politically active players and maybe players that aren't politically active that you believe should be. You can leave us a voice uh, memo, voice message on our email, which is podcastafr at gmail.com. And stay tuned. Six o'clock tonight, there'll be another live progressive. Either Mark and I will be throwing another progressive out to you, and hopefully it'll go better than last night when... Pete Zicky got it after yep. the first four clothes. Yeah, we're gonna we start making these more difficult. We've got to start making them more difficult. For Jeff Taylor, Mark Ferrer, I'm John Pelkey. You've been listening to After Further Reviews. Satisfied.